Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my review of the live event that Bungie did in the tower on June the 6th. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you could probably catch me live right now at saynotorage.com. If you want to catch these live, the discussions in Q&A, and you want to support the Twitch stream, saynotorage.com will bring you to the Twitch stream. People on YouTube, hit like, share, subscribe, and the bell button. That helps me out. If you'd rather listen to these as entire podcast episodes, just look up SNTR Presents on any podcast platform. So the live event went off on Saturday, thankfully without any major hitches. You know, I, I got disconnected a few times, but it actually went off and it was a success from a technical standpoint. But there were criticisms about how long it took and how they executed and everything else and you know Bungie responded said they were open to feedback so I kind of want to walk through what happened because there was a bunch of things that happened it wasn't just like the thing in the tower there were some things that led up to it and there were some things after it uh, then there was kind of the, uh, the the cry from the community that it took too long and then Bungie kind of responded uh, but we also got information about the fact that like it required new technology to build um and I think that that was, uh, that was cool to hear that they put that much time and effort into this. They said it was a labor of love. So I'm going to walk through what happened. Then I want to walk through the criticisms. I think there are some criticisms that like Budgie should probably listen to. Uh, I'm not going to knock the event. I think some people were taking their criticisms way too far, like t- concluding that the, uh, the event was a failure because it took too long. Like I think you're taking your criticism way too far. It's one thing to criticize and provide feedback for next time, but to decry the entire thing as a failure, I think is absurd. Um, and then lastly, I want to talk about the anger. The anger in the community right now, the restlessness, the frustration, what's that coming from? What does that mean? And what does it mean for the future of the game? Okay. So, and by the way, this is genuine for those of you who are in the live audience. This is from the PlayStation Store. Season of Arrivals is the official name of the next season. So, what happened? All right. So, on Saturday, June the 6th, an hour before reset, a notification hit the game to tell people to go to the tower. At that point, if you went to the tower, the Almighty was noticeably significantly bigger. It was also static in the sky. The sun and the Almighty were no longer moving. They, you know, typically they would show up over the one mountain and then move throughout the day that was no longer happening it was stuck in position so you could look at it the npcs had also responded um you know zavala was over like leaning on the counter Shax was turned around ikora everybody was paying attention to this even the random you know no name npcs were running around and like actually i don't think they any of them were running around they were all looking up at the sky this seems like it was pulled directly out of the cutscene where everybody was looking at the sky. That cutscene didn't make the cut, by the way. We never saw that. They just used that for promoting uh, the season. Then reset hit and nothing noticeable happened. That was when people began to get restless. Paul Tassi was tweeting being like, I'm being told it's just slow. It's taking a while. Um, I think hindsight's 30-30 here. I think the reason it took 30 minutes for anything to actually happen is Bungie was giving themselves some buffer in case there were queue times in case there was any lag or problems or glitches or bugs there's already been an increase in uh, in error codes in the tower so I thought they were also probably worried about a rise in player saturation they've had this happen with seasons before they had it happen with Rise of Iron like everybody tries to log in at once and it creates a queue so I think they gave themselves about a 30 minute buffer window before anything started 30 minutes in red lines started to appear in the tower and they were moving very very slowly I think this was when the frustration started to hit for people they're like okay we showed up We've been waiting for this time and now it's happening and it's happening at a snail's pace. 
I will say that once the red lines appeared in the sky, that's when I started experiencing disconnects and error codes. So it seemed like once there was actually activity happening, there was a rise in problems. This again is probably a good thing that Bungie added buffer because the more that was happening, the more people were probably instancing and moving around and moving from one side of the tower to the other, which creates re-instancing, which creates tower instability. And I think that's one of the reasons we saw disconnects starting once the red lines appeared least for me and people in chat that seemed to be the time where we saw the rise of error codes then the red line started to appear from below as well slowly getting closer to the almighty then there was like little sparkly explosions it was a bit of a slideshow that's one of the criticisms some people made they're like it wasn't even animated it was sort of a slideshow it would move sort of rigidly from one thing to the next uh and then eventually there was a center explosion that kind of started and it sat there for a while uh and then the explosion sound hit Everything went white and the thing actually moved animated in the sky and crash landed out in the, you know, the field behind where all the ships come in in the tower uh, opposite of Zavala. So Zavala is overlooking the city. You go to the other side, there's like the mountains and the valleys and stuff. That's where the thing crash landed. Then you could inspect the damage behind the Eververse and get an emblem. I don't know if they were being cheeky with that, by the way. Like, you get a vanity item because the back of the Eververse got busted. I don't know. It makes me feel like they're being a little cheeky. Anyway, then there was new dialogue from Zavala and Anna. Like, actually, the dialogue from Zavala was animated. He was moving his, moving around, and like it wasn't just like him standing there in his normal position. So that was the event. Okay, there was no, there was nothing on the other planets. Nothing happened in any of the other places. That was the event. That's what transpired. Something I want to point out before I get into the criticisms about how long it lasted, I do think a lot of the people that got really angry about how long it took, they're forgetting that they were already playing and they went to the tower an hour early. I think their perception of time got really slanted by that. You didn't jump in the tower right at reset and then you had to wait an hour and a half. I think some people waited, like me, two and a half hours. And I think that felt too long, which is understandable. They basically initiated step one an hour before reset and nothing happened for... Nothing happened for, you know, an hour and a half, basically. So if you went an hour before, nothing happened until until like half past reset. So I just want to make sure that context is in people's minds. Like, I do think some people got really, really wound up about the length of time because they were there significantly longer than everybody else. So that's the primary criticism. It was too long. I'm going to continue to say that Bungie made it long for our good. They were looking out for players. There was a, there's been a rise in error codes. They were giving buffer and padding for error codes, for glitches, and for bugs. I would much rather have a developer make those choices for our benefit. And the worst thing that happens is you have to stand around and wait a little bit. I like I do think I do think that standing around and waiting is much better than being like, I didn't get there in time. I got bugged out. I couldn't get there. You know, it it happened too fast. So I'm glad they erred on the side of let's kind of make this thing go slow to ensure that, you know, people can be involved and see it and not just do something brash. There were people that were like, no, it should have been 10 minutes. It should have been five minutes or something like that. I'm like, the, the pattern of criticism here is somewhat humorous. Bungie announces to be in the tower and everybody loses their minds and is like, this is FOMO, this is stupid, what if I can't be in the tower, this is lame. And then when Bungie makes, 
makes the event last long enough to allow a lot of people to be there because I guarantee you from reset to 230 a lot more people got to take part that's a spike in the player pool every day anyway because it's reset and then people complain about it taking too long I genuinely said this today if the worst criticism Bungie got after their very very first live event was that it took too long I think they popped the champagne and said good job everybody what a success what a what a victory we pulled it off we'll take their feedback about length and we'll, we'll put that on the board for next time but if that's the worst thing people can say then I would say that's a success now obviously they want to minimize error codes in the tower that was probably the other very legitimate complaint I was getting them it was agitating it was worrying it was like am I going to miss it when it finally happens and if you did miss it when it finally happens because of a disconnect I could imagine being very very aggravated so it's a shame that their first foray into this type of thing happened during one of the weakest and probably worst seasons ever but I still think they did a good job and I know people are like all this guy does is defend Bungie all he does is suck up to Bungie when you say that all you do is betray the fact that you're dumb and don't watch my content number one you don't watch my content because every almost every video about this season I've had has been highly critical and the reason you're dumb is because you don't allow for nuance and different of opinion and it insults your insecurity so lastly the anger let's timely talk about the anger the reason that people come at me and call me names and say i'm a suck up and a shill and a sellout and like nobody could possibly enjoy this event listen you are merely hijacking a community that's starting to ignore your existence if that's all you bring to the table you're slowly becoming a destiny karen irrelevant muted in the conversation nobody wants to hear from you if every time something happens it's awful horrible hyperbolic failure anybody who likes it is a fanboy and a sellout out in a shill you are becoming muted in the conversation land on the layer of actual dialogue and you can actually have discussions with us you can talk about how it was disappointing i didn't like this that's totally fine there's a giant difference between saying I was bummed they should have set expectations better about how long I should have been in the tower. That's a far cry of difference between insulting and lambasting and lashing out at devs, community managers, or streamers. You're just proving yourself to be a tantrum-throwing baby instead of an invested community member. So, you're just a feather in Bungie's cap. The more angry you get, the more forum posts you make, the more times you spend on Reddit spewing anger and, and, and salt, you're actually just creating more and more information to show that Destiny is hot, Destiny is relevant, and you're freaking hooked. You're a feather in their cap. An angry, passionate player base is better than a silent, apathetic one. So the more angry you get, the more you prove that you are hooked and can't find another game to replace this one, and you're so burned out that everything makes you blow your stack and blow your lid. So I'm not concerned about people's being, you know, people being angry about this season or even this event. That's actually genuinely a sign of health. So you can either leave the irrelevant, muted, you know, no one cares what you say anymore, Karen category, and start being intellectual and smart and and whimsical or maybe even charitable in your in your critiques and your criticisms, or just keep shouting spittle and froth and salt into the to the abyss because nobody's listening to you anymore. As always, you can always join us live at SayNoToRage.com. And if you're here right now, don't go anywhere. We're going to keep waiting and see if we get the actual teaser trailer. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe.
Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that happened with my live event review video. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you could probably catch me live right now at saynotorage.com. I'm usually live when these hit the feeds. You can go to saynotorage.com. It'll bring you to my Twitch channel. If you want to listen to these as podcast episodes, the entire episode with the talk included, you can look up SNTR Presents on any podcast platform. Those of you that are on YouTube, thank you so much for all the support lately. We continue to inch closer to 50,000 subs. The likes and shares and sub button presses are what helps the channel, so thank you for doing that. Alright, let's dive in to the Q&A. We had to do a lot of filtering. Uh, We're continuing to filter questions before I start. I deleted roughly 25 questions. Most of them were repeats. So, we're still trying to do our due diligence. There's almost 3,000 people in the stream right now. It makes Q&A crazy, which is awesome and exciting, but it requires us to be a little bit better about managing Q&A. If your question didn't make it, please don't take offense. We are literally just trying to make the, the, the episodes more streamlined and more enjoyable to listen to. Steven, which criticisms do you think are valid? Which do you think have no ground to stand on? I o- the only ones that I think are have any validity to them are the ones that are like, you should have given us a heads up or at least told us that, you know, we need to do a lot time. I, unfortunately, Bungie kept it very basic. So Bungie didn't tell you that like, be in the tower reset, some cool thing's going to happen right at reset. That's not what they said. They basically said, get in the tower, prepare, maybe even get there a little bit early. And so everybody goes. So I understand, you know, people being upset that they didn't allot enough time. The, the thing that I think compounded the time allotment criticism is the fact that we went an hour early. That's something I really want to drive home to people. Most of the people that are upset about time allotment, they were in the game an hour early. There were people in my stream. We got that. We got that in-game alert. We went to the tower. We went an hour early. So we literally waited an hour before it was even reset. I think that added fuel to the fire. It was like, we've already been standing around for an hour and then nothing happened at reset. It took 30 minutes for red lines to appear in the sky. So I get that. I think the reason I'm okay with this is because Bungie, in their first effort of doing a live event, they erred on the side of caution. Let's have buffer, so if anything happens. Because if there would have been a queue time, if servers would have crashed, if they would have had any kind of technical difficulties, people would have been livid if it happened like right at reset, okay? Bungie, you know, has some notorious things in their history with Rise of Iron and some other launches that didn't go that well with respect to queue times. So I think waiting 30 minutes to start it was part of the problem. Like people like, why is nothing happening? You have to understand from a technical standpoint, they were giving themselves buffer in case anything bad happened. Okay. Well, people don't generally care about that. People showed up at reset. Nothing was happening and people got angry and bored. Right. Then after an hour, I think people were like, okay, it's now an hour after reset and it still isn't over what you know what on earth i think an hour would have been fine resets at one it ends at two o'clock eastern that's plenty of time for cushion that's plenty of time for people like me that got bunches like i got three or four error codes i think that would have been fine again i am not gonna rake them over the coals for this because of all the decisions that they could have made 
they made the one that seemed to have the player's interest at heart. They didn't do this to be mean or lazy or, oh, let's make let's make our event suck. They were like, no, let's be cautious and protective here. What if there's a queue? What if there's a rise in error codes? Because there has been an increase in error codes. What if people can't get in there right at reset? This gives people more time to get in. You have to consider anybody that came in 15 to 20 minutes after reset they only waited for roughly an hour for things to get good and and ultimately conclude and i think there's a lot of people that probably fall into that camp the most vocal people that are very aggravated about the time and how long it took and it took too long and it was boring i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those people were literally in the tower an hour early because you know the almighty was bigger it was static in the sky and all of the npcs had moved I think that added fuel to the fire of people's frustrations. I also think people right now are, you know, frustrations at an all-time high. It wasn't a very good season. Um, It's hard not to think something's going wrong. I think a lot of people thought something was going wrong. Well, I'm here at reset. Nothing's happening. Um, They had the glitched door with Felwinter's quest. So if this would have landed in another season, maybe people would have been a little bit more patient. Maybe they've been like, oh, you know, it's just getting started. But I think this season kind of primed the pump for people to just jump to conclusions and just to jump to, you know, uh, frustrations and criticisms. I said this morning, if the worst criticism that Bungie gets about the live event is that it took too long, I consider that a victory. If the criticisms were it was broken, it didn't work, the servers crashed, I got stuck in a queue, I didn't get to get in. I know there are people that didn't get to see it because of because of error codes. I almost missed it myself. Uh, I had a handful. But by and large, the overwhelming narrative is that it was too long and too slow. Bungie can pop the champagne and be like, good job, everybody. Excellent work, team. Let's take notes for the future. People felt it was a little too long. We can make adjustments going forward. I I think that's a victory. I really do. Of all the things for people to complain about, that that has got to be like the most low-key, most acceptable criticism that there there is. Now, the invalid criticisms of the people that like, it should have been five minutes, it should have been ten minutes we should get the emblem and nobody else should get the emblem that stuff's just silly that's just entitled destiny karen whining like that's not that's not legitimate you can't have something happen that fast um you know paul tassie should have said it should have lasted 15 minutes i think what he means is like once it started it should have lasted 15 minutes which would have had it ending at like 45 minutes after reset i think an hour would have been fine Reset happens, they give themselves some cushion, it gets started around 30 minutes after, it lasts for 30 minutes, ooh ah, stuff in the skyline's happening, it's giving more people an opportunity to experience it, what if you were running late, what if you had no idea this was going on, what if you, you, you were running into error codes or whatever, boom, you're able to get in an experience, it lasts for one hour. Um... I just think anything shorter than an hour, you're going to run into problems. You're going to run into people that couldn't get in. There's a rise in queue times. There's a rise in disconnects. There's a rise in problems and connectivity issues, especially, I mean, we are in a unique situation globally as well. Like, you know, networks are strained. We get buffering every once in a while on the stream, and I've streamed for five years, and I've never had this many issues streaming, and we've had a rise in that in conjunction with, you know, the global pandemic. So... And I think networks are being strained now as well because of protesting. So these are just things that I think Bungie added padding for. I would rather a developer add padding to protect 
the player experience than to be reckless and stupid and be like, well, you know, we didn't think that people would have problems connecting it. Yeah, it, uh, it lasted 20 minutes, you know, and now it's over. Like, I would rather them be be making decisions with our interest at heart. And that's why I think people's frustrations and anger is a little misplaced. It's like they literally made it last long for our sake. Like they wanted to make sure folks could get in and we're, we're kind of, we're kind of biting the hand that feeds us. It's like they put all this time and work and effort into this event and they made logistical decisions so that there was a higher likelihood that you got to see what happened. You know, that's a long answer for question one, but I think it's needed. Uh, X Riot. Do you think Bungie did a good job on marketing the live event? This is a different question. Now, this is where I think they could have said, all right, we're going to let people know to be in the tower. Uh, they did that like what, like a day before? This is where some people are saying they should have warned you how long it was going to last ahead of time. I'm of the opinion that you could win or lose in that scenario. It does take the mystery away if you say it's going to last an hour and a half. You also run the risk of the Bungie, I'm sorry, the Destiny, you know, community telephone game running amok, right? The Destiny community hears stuff and then it goes through the community like a game of telephone and then people can get bad information. So if people heard, oh, it's going to last an hour and a half, that could have gotten, you know, converged and mixed up and convoluted and bumbled into, oh, just show up an hour and a half after reset. No, 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 no. Show up at reset and last an hour and a half. That's not what I heard. I heard an hour and a half after reset is when it's going to happen. It's just... The more information you give about that, the easier it is for people to either have the mystery and the mystique ruined. It's like, oh, I got to be in the tower for an hour and a half. That sounds stupid. Then you run the risk of people getting confused and getting bad intel. Maybe for the future, they could say, we're going to do something. You know, obviously I'm being clinical here. Like events happening on this date at this time, you know, uh, expect expect about an hour for for, you know, total transmission completion or something. Um, again, you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful that people uh, don't end up getting the wrong info and the wrong intel and then acting, you know, and in, in, in not preparing properly. Um, Truds with six months. I got a bunch of subs I got to think. Truds with six months. Big Daddy with three months. Three months to A for the bald. And then Junebug with 26 months. A brand new Prime sub from Will35 and 27 months from Goodnight. Thank you. Uh, nothing but air. I've now seen the teaser trailers as commercials on live TV several times. I feel like the vid docs are great for veteran players, but why try to get a whole bunch of new players into the reveal event? Because the reveal event is about year four more than the summer, right? If the message is in game, then there's no telephone game. That's true, meatbags. That's good feedback. They could put it in game, be in the tower at this time, expect events to last an hour long. Boom. Then, then you don't really have an excuse for people getting bad intel. I think that's 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 good pushback on what I'm saying. Um, but for this question, I think they're trying to really, really promote this reveal. They're trying to get new players to check it out because it's going it's it's going to be more about year four than the summer. Summer's tied to year four, but what we're going to watch tomorrow, I think, is almost entirely about year four. Um, so they did though well no uh tifa's wife what he's saying is they could put it in game and also let people know how long it's going to last and you don't run the risk of destiny telephone because it's right there in clear terms on your screen 
And if you believe your friend over some announcement in game, well, then you're the moron, right? Like if your friend's like, no, 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 I, it's not going to take an hour and a half. You need to be in the tower an hour and a half after. People would be like, no, it's right here on my screen. It literally says be in the tower reset. It will last an hour and a half. So, Corver, do you feel this is a good time for new players to come in? And do you have any advice for coming in? Uh, the game has a lot of content, can feel overwhelming. I would say wait until tomorrow to make up your mind the summer will likely be a very good runway for you to get into the game and prepare for September which is when it seems like a lot of big stuff's going to happen um but I would wait and look at the look at the marketing and look at the announcements and then make up your mind um Seasonal content probably is not the best funnel for a new player. Seasonal content's meant for uh, continuing and 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 uh, extending player engagement. It isn't necessarily structured for a new player. So I would be cautious about being like, yeah, jump in in the summer. I don't know how the summer is going to be structured yet. Both Season of Dawn and Season of the Worthy ignore the critics and the bad reviews of season of the worthy ignore the you know some people think season of dawn was good some people think it was a stinker i would say from a logistical standpoint the way those seasons are designed they're not really designed for new players um they're more designed for existing players that understand the grind and understand what's going on now if everything gets you really excited for september and you want to spend the summer getting acclimated to the game playing and getting familiar with it well i would just hang out in twitch streams and discords and meet people and play with people that's one of the best ways to get acclimated to this game and then you'd be you'll be primed and ready for what will likely be the turning point of the franchise in september i think it's gonna be pretty big uh mccobreth how could Bungie make the event more available to everyone instead of a 30-minute wait? Do you think maybe having two showings or something else would be a good idea? I mean, this is I have friends that go to, like, churches that do two services because the church is too big for the building. <laughs> That's what this makes me think of. We're going to have two, uh, we're gonna have two services. <laughs> I don't think there needs to be uh, two showings. Um, that seems kind of like... Is it really a live event if you're like, I'll catch the two o'clock showing. I got some things I need to do. I'll be, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll check out the two o'clock like you're going to see a movie or something. Um, here's the thing. People that are like, oh, it should have been a cutscene. You can watch VODs. You can see the tweet, tweets and the transpi- you know, transpired, uh, the, the time-lapse videos and stuff. That's as good as a cutscene. It's no different. It's not in the game, sure, but come on. Like, I, I don't think that we need to go this far as to being like, all right, Bungie, we need a showing at one o'clock and three o'clock, and then you got to do one in the middle of the night for the, you know, for the, for the European audience. Like, I just, just settle down. It's a live event. Be there if you can. If not, catch the VODs and the YouTubes. That's no different than a cutscene, you know? Uh, not, what's that saying? Not, oh, no Fortnite no anime needs coffee badly hey somebody ordered some rageous roast coffee i don't know why the alerts are so loud i I, i've turned that down i'm sorry about that thank you for ordering some of the coffee did you enjoy the live event and or do you think that they could change or make them more engaging or something i thought the live event was great i give it a solid eight out of ten i think the one area they could improve is setting expectations for time allotment and maybe shortening a little bit I think those are pretty minor critiques and criticisms. Now, how to make it more engaging or something. People are like, we just sat there and watched. 
I mean, when I watched the monster robot fight in Fortnite with Brayden, we were both just laughing and flying around with our jetpacks. That's actually like a really cool memory for me. Like hearing his childlike excitement because he's, you know, he's young, he's a kid. And, and my excitement too, it was like generations sort of colliding. That was like a really cool moment uh, for me. And it was, but it was still, we weren't doing anything in the fight. We were flying around watching it. So I do think we have to set our expectations. Like, could they have had like all of a sudden like robots crash landing on the tower and we're fighting and defending the tower and for the first time ever there's combat on the tower like I don't know this feels woulda shoulda coulda I tend to avoid woulda shoulda coulda questions like well they should have done this and if they would have done this they could have done that I, I don't like getting lost in these weeds I think going forward setting expectations is the main thing they need to be better about and maybe shorten it a little bit but as far as being like we need to be able to do x y and z to interact with the event there's only so much they can do to make it like hundreds of thousands of people are tuning in and standing around for an event like that how do you how could you possibly have us doing anything to contribute that wouldn't also then crash the servers you know imagine all of us going to the tower to bank war mine bits at the same time Every single time we do that, those that's information and packets that have to be sent and resolved and communicated um, to the listen server and then back to us and then to the bungee servers where our player is stored. Like, you can't have us all going to the tower at the exact same time and being like, yeah, let's all hold down the X button or let's all slam modes or something. Um, that would, I think, be really, really hard technically to pull off without crashing stuff. BT Bay. Would you rather keep the format of singular seasonal stories or or one overarching story over multiple uh, multiple seasons? I like what they're doing now. I like that there's an there's an evolving meta narrative. So ever since Shadowkeep and honestly ever since the pyramid ship showed up, that's like a meta narrative. That's like the ultimate narrative over top of everything. There's these pyramid ships coming, and all along the way there's like sub stories, and they do this in books all the time, right? When I was reading the green ember to my kids there's war on the horizon there's war threatening them they're preparing for battle and while that's happening there's like micro stories supporting that or like offshoot stories that may come in later i'm i'm fine with the blend of both pastor taco how does Bungie find a good mixture of realism in a live event without making it too long and drawn out? Well, and I know people were like, oh, it's going to take a long time to destroy something like that. It would take a long time for missiles to get there. Realism, realism. I don't think it was for realism. It was so that people had a chance to get in. And I again think, I think the initial 30 minutes was in case there was queue times or crashes. That's what that first 30 minutes was for. Okay. The hour-long transpire after that, like, okay, once 1.30 hit, it took exactly one hour to conclude. I think their initial their initial conception was it should be about an hour-long event. Let's have it start at reset. And then somebody probably rightfully said, that's really risky. What if there's queue times, crashes, or bugs? We should probably put some buffer. That's likely how the conversation went to some degree. And, I, you know, I don't think it was for realism. You know, as far as having realism in a game like this, like people were submitting questions and I deleted them like, well, so-and-so made a video and said that if something that size crashed on Earth, like we wouldn't survive. And I'm like, yeah, you also create lightning with your hand and it doesn't, it doesn't like backwards conduit electricity through your metal armor and fry your brain. You know, we create electricity with our hands. We throw out Nova bombs like mini black holes that don't create like 
like momentary gravitational anomalies that like mess up the ecosystem of the earth or our internal organs aren't getting like messed up by that like you can't press realism on this freaking game right like you can't (laughs) we're literally immortal and we can create lightning that doesn't hurt us and it doesn't hurt our armor i i just think people need to relax (laughs) it's a video game uh toot magoot if the almighty live event could be shorter how long would you have made it and what would your thoughts have been on the event i i think an hour i've already said that about an hour would have been fine instead of an hour and a half do you want exotics to drop again and not just be quest uh i would like that because i like the hype of drops my answer to exotics are always is always the same. I think there's a there's a gamut and a spectrum of exotic delivery. Sometimes you get them from a uh, season pass. Sometimes you get them from a quest. Sometimes you just do literally nothing, and they're like, "Here's an exotic for scanning some items." Sometimes you have to do an elaborate quest. You have to do a quest like the one for divinity or the xenophage, uh, and then sometimes they randomly drop in the game. I like all types. There's also, uh, you know, Whisper and uh, Outbreak. You know, I, I think all of those are are cool ways to do um, exotics. Nova Hands. Hey, Lono, are you at all concerned that the overall silence regarding tomorrow's new season is because it's not substantive enough to warrant the usual hype? I'm hoping for another opulence, but I'm not convinced we're getting that. I don't think this is cause for alarm. No. I do not think this is cause for alarm. I think in general, they've made it very clear that they're doing this because big changes are coming, something big is happening, and they're trying to tie everything together, and the summer's going to be like no other time in Destiny. Now, I said before the Q&A, we're still in year three, okay? So the summer isn't year four. We need to remember that. A lot of what Luke Smith said about bounties, XP, refueling aspiration, all of that... A lot of those changes, you're not going to see those come to fruition until year four. So summer, I think, is still going to have some of the blemishes and some of the limps. Like if this season and last season had some things that made it limp along a little bit. I would say that the summer is going to have some of those blemishes and some of those limps because it's still built under the year three mantra and vision. They couldn't completely restructure the summer. Too much was probably already being built. I would expect aspirational refueling and bounties not being as prevalent and those changes we want to see for the day-to-day ritualistic grind. I think you're going to see those changes in year four. So we need to remember, like, I think the summer is probably going to be pretty substantive and pretty good, but it's still going to be year three. It's still going to feel like, man, I I, I really wish they could get these changes made. Um, I really wish it wasn't so bounty dependent. I really wish it wasn't this or that. Like, there's going to be events... Just write it down. There's going to be events this summer and people are going to be like, here we go again, bounty simulator. And they're going to forget the fact that like, yeah, that stuff was already built. And when Luke Smith said they're looking to change that, less FOMO and all that, it's going to take place in year four. Because they don't like FOMO. Luke Smith admitted they don't like adding content and taking it out. That's going to happen again in the summer anyway. They're going to add stuff and have to take it out. So... I think the summer is going to be dope. I think we're going to be happy, but I think you're going to hear a lot of the same tried and true criticisms from people like, yep, you know, Bungie's just all talk and no action. Because they can't read a director's cut and actually, you know, understand more than two sentences before they go, you know, get a, get upset about sunsetting. If you read his director's cut and truly understand it, you should know he's setting expectations that like the real changes are coming in year four. 
right? The real changes are coming in year four, and more and more, I I think that's going to be what we're going to hear over the summer. If there's a negative narrative that takes hold in the summer on Reddit and the forums, that's what it's going to be. I thought we were getting rid of the bounty grind. I thought we were getting more aspirational loot, man. Look at how crummy this loot is. Man, sunsetting. Why, why are they doing sunsetting? We're just getting more of the same perks. Like, you, you can already hear those. They're, they're already screaming so loud you can, like, hear them from the future. Um, I just, I don't anticipate big changes until year four. But I think summer is still going to be a solid delivery. If not, I don't think they would tie their marketing to the launch date of year of, of the next season <laughs> uh i as a Rusi, what's a better way for a grace period that bungie could have done compared to what they did for the event i i don't know how else you do a grace period other than starting it a little bit later um i was fine with it fuzzy niblets is there a potential we see Aldrin in the upcoming season? What would be a good way to reintroduce him? I got, I've got, i got no clue. I think I, I think I skimmed over this one. Questions like this, it's just like very speculative and very like, I don't know. Now, what's a good way to introduce him? Oh, I, that's why I left it in, because that's actually, that's like, okay, what's a good way they could bring him back? What's so funny is I've been using the phrase unlikely allies for forever, and then to see that in... Um, to see the phrase unlikely allies in Anna Bray's new dialogue after the event, I was like, ooh, that's really cool. That means that we're picking up on themes that they intended us to pick up on, right? Unlikely allies is a phrase that we've been using ever since we started doing stuff with Callus and Spider. It's like we're kind of rubbing shoulders with people that aren't necessarily like guardians of light. Um, now more than ever, she used the phrase unlikely allies. Zavala's like, go team Rasputin after the event. I'm like, did you guys miss the part where like he killed Fellwinter hundreds of times and he baited the Iron Lords? Like, did y'all miss that? Yeah, maybe. You know, but there's like a shift in the narrative where like we're leaning in, so that could be a way to give room for Aldrin to step in and say, you know, I remember my past. I know what I did, or somebody told me about my past. I know what I did. Maybe he wants to make it right. So suddenly we're we're working with the guy that killed Cade. You know, so. Uh, don't be a stranger. I won't be. Yeah, she also said that. Dank. Do you think that Bungie should focus more on fixing servers before doing live events like this? I know many people, myself included, experience dozens of error codes uh, and we couldn't enjoy the event. I usually delete questions like this because this is just like a should have Bungie done this instead. We don't know the internals. We don't know. Maybe they did do a bunch of focusing on the servers and error codes mitigation. You don't know they didn't do it. You don't know to what degree they did or did not do it. But I left this in for a reason. I do think one of the reasons we're seeing a rise in error codes in the tower specifically is because Lars Bakken said this required new tech. I feel like they deployed updates and tech and stuff in the background for tower instancing, and I think it started with Empyrean Restoration. The only way for them to be making updates to the tower was these changes that they made, and Empyrean Restoration was one of the first times they could update the tower in relation to what we were doing. Then Guardian Games, they did the same thing. Then they do this live event where it's like an animated slideshow in the skybox. I wonder if that's caused the rise in error codes specific to the tower. I get them more there than anywhere. 
Um, and they've subsided quite a bit. I used to get way more than I do now. Uh, that obviously doesn't mean it's fixed, but I just, I feel like they've tried to minimize them and they have. And I just, again, wonder if some of this is indicative of background changes they made to even make this live event possible. And because it made the live event possible, you just have to take the good with the bad. Um, uh, Johnny Low 95 What thing dropping today will make you more excited for tomorrow's reveal info drop teaser a teaser trailer would get me the most excited i still think today sometime around reset they're really going to want to push the the hype pedal to the ground and we get a teaser today with the stranger or or if it's not the stranger it's just like eris and the drifter on the planet clearly going to meet someone and they don't show us who it is we like see that they're looking at somebody and we don't know who it is they leave that they leave that in the, uh, you know, as a mystery. Camden, do you like the way seasons uh, kind of force you to use a specific loadout? Auto SMG, then swords and heavy. The artifact feels like a guidance force to use focus weapon choice. I actually don't like this, and I've spoken out about it quite a bit. I have some videos where I like reviewed the artifact, and I said that a better way to incentivize and motivate weapon changing is to is to utilize modifiers. If you want me, uh, if you want me to use a different loadout, then the the best way to do that, I think, is with modifiers. Um, it usually lets you sit there for a long, long time. I, I've always thought modifiers are a better way to do it because then I don't have to. I can if I want to, right? I can if I want to. If I feel like it, I can change it up and I can get the benefits from it. And if I, you know, and if I like it. Maybe all of a sudden I realize that I like a certain weapon type or I like a certain loadout. Um, now, coincidentally, coincidentally, the way they set this up with swords, swords are stronger, so it kind of worked. It was like, oh, cool, you can now do overload with swords. You can now get what's what's what a passive guard, right? So, if you know. And they buff swords, so it kind of worked. But that proves my point, right? People aren't like, oh man, swords are dope because of the artifact. They're like, oh man, swords are dope because they got a buff. So if Bungie were to go in and do modifiers that would make sidearms and scouts really strong one week against maybe champions in particular, you don't have to run them. But if you do, you're like, oh, this sidearm's actually not too bad. It kind of slings rounds. This thing's kind of nice. You know, and maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, yeah, I think these. I still think sidearms suck. It's then up to you. No one's forcing you to use those weapons. You're simply being motivated and incentivized to try them. And if you choose not to, it's not going to suddenly make you unable to play the content. You're just not leveraging a buff that's there. Like right now, if you're ignoring, you know, swords. You're not miss you're not like, oh, I can't do the content. You're like, oh, I I'm you're missing out on a buff, right? Uh I got you, Lono. Adding a modifier that makes anything that's not a scout rifle do 50% damage. No, no, no. No, that's not it at all. <laughs> that's not it at all. Uh Glockstrap. 
What are your thoughts on the flexibility of events in game recently? More things changing and releasing on a weekend. That's unlike Bungie. Usually things are always tied to weekly reset besides trials. This feels related to some of the predictions I've made about the fact that like they made changes to the tower so they could do Empyrean Restoration, they could do Guardian Games, and they could do this live event. Um, and that's one of the reasons some of the things are happening. Now, there's questions in this Q&A somewhere about, does that mean we're getting a new engine? Is this the groundwork for the new engine? I don't think so. I don't want to sniff out these breadcrumbs and see something that's not there. It's Gotham. Do you think the lack of a better engine might have been the reason why the event took longer than we all wanted? I think the engine is why it was like a slideshow in the skybox instead of an actual transitioning you know, animation. It was like a slideshow. It was like, okay, the the lines are slowly moving into frame, right? And then all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, sparkles appeared. <laughs> you know, it, it was clearly like, if you want to see just how limited and old this engine was, I think that was a picture. It was kind of like, okay, wow. There was no gradualness to it at all. Now, once it was moving in the skybox, like, like on fire, I think that was different. But... I, I think we saw the limitations of some of their tech with this event, and that's not a knock, it's just, it's we know it's an old engine. Fructor. Do you think a cutscene would have made the event more immersive? Also, do you think it would have been more costly than necessary to create that content, and why? Again, normally I don't let questions like this through, but in particular with this event, folks were saying, why not at least have a cutscene? Where's the cutscene? I thought we were going to get one. There was a cutscene from the trailer for this season of everybody looking up at the sky. It seemed like they were going to use it. Maybe they planned to, and it just wasn't going to work. Maybe the um, maybe the handoff wasn't going to be smooth. You got this skybox animation. Then there's a thing crashing, and maybe putting the cutscene in between that. You know how sometimes you come out of a cutscene and the game just like sits there on a black screen. It's possible they didn't want to do that because that would have created bad handoff. Also, somebody bringing up something in chat I just now thought of, thank you, uh, King MC. It could have been data mined. A cutscene could have been data mined. You can't really data mine an event that animates in the skybox. So, pixel logic with the next question. If the Veil race is coming, how do you think Bungie can protect them and uh, protect them and not just be another race to shoot at? I left this question because I think this question sort of betrays the assumption that people have about a new race, okay? People assume a new race would suddenly dramatically change combat, and I'm here to tell you that it won't because the scorn didn't. Why is that? It doesn't really work to take a game this size and inject one race that suddenly has all these different rules, combat styles, combat rhythms, and and all of a sudden we we have to deal with, you know, a new way of playing. Well, then anytime you're getting ready to go play against those enemies, you have to load out yourself specifically for that. It would be really weird to have that, you know, kind of a system. So, in my mind, I would say it makes more sense to invest in combat systems that are more dynamic and more interesting, like champion mods, giving us more freedom with champion mods, adding more champions, adding more champion types. And then if the veil comes in, they're gonna just be another race that we shoot at, okay? The core 
combat loop, the core content loop of Destiny, that's what it is. It's you going into an area, shooting baddies, protecting or defending or taking over an area, and then moving to the next thing. And you kill trash trash ads, majors, mini boss, satisfy a mechanic, and then you go to the next thing. Like, that's Destiny. That's Destiny's content loop. You're not suddenly going to be playing Destiny in September and being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how different this game is because they added this new race. No, the race would still fall under the same combat rhythms that you're, you're, you're used to. If I've talked about this before. If I made you go into an area and fight in the Menagerie and you were fighting the Hive and then you were fighting the Vex and then you were fighting the Fallen. And if I had the technology to play back that combat, like put cameras in the rooms and show, okay? And if I had the ability to then delete all the enemies so you can't see them, you would have a really hard time being like, oh, they're definitely playing against the Vex. They're definitely playing against life. Why? Because the combat rhythms are basically the same. You've got rushers, you've got trash ads, you've got melee, you got majors, you got shields to pop, like... It's all very, very similar. The way you fight the high versus the versus the taken versus the fallen, the differences are not even that noticeable. You would have a hard time picking it out. So, if they do like a veiled enemy thing in September, it's a takenified thing where its enemies were familiar with, combat rhythms were familiar with. I really think people need to understand that that's the content loop of Destiny. That's not changing. It can be deepened and expanded upon with things like champion mods, but you can't completely uproot the combat rhythm. This is one of the reasons why Bungie can't just fix scout rifles, because the game and its combat rhythms and the enemy saturation and how close enemies get to you, uh, it, it doesn't leave a lot of room for scouts to feel strong. So they can't make scouts strong enough to change the combat rhythm. In, in the way the game feels. You can't make a race unique enough to suddenly make the game feel totally different. It just isn't possible. It's, it's, that is destiny. If they expanded upon Diablo and they do with their rift system, you don't go through there and suddenly fight all new enemies and enemy types. Now, there, I'm sure there's attack patterns that might be a little bit different and certain damage things that you have to like try to minimize and defend against, but by and large, they probably use a lot of the same enemies that you've seen before. Same thing in Borderlands, same thing in Division. The combat doesn't change that dramatically. Um, and so I think, again, that's why I said at the beginning of this question, This question feels like it has baked into it the presumption that a new race has the ability to completely change combat. You're like, oh, we just don't want another race to shoot at. Now, maybe you're smacking at something else. Maybe you're driving at something else. Like, what if the race is a race that we work with and they're like our companions and it's not just another race to shoot at? Maybe that's what you meant. I don't know if the game can really go in that direction either because by and large, that's what Destiny is. Who's the new baddies? Who's the new threat? Let's go kill the new baddies and get the new loot. Like, that's basically Destiny's, like, that's their structure. And as far as improving AI, again, we're in an old engine. There may be engine limitations on what AI can do. This is one of the reasons why I think 12 negative modifiers and an insane power delta doesn't create good content it really flattens the game out a lot of those enemies a lot of those saturation points and how they shoot how fast they shoot it just doesn't work when they're suddenly doing tons of damage it's not built for that the enemy ai is is very limited and it does a handful of things and 
I just I don't I don't think so. I don't I don't think that they could necessarily change the combat that much. That's why I continue to say add layers to the combat. If there's layers to the combat and I'm making decisions before and during combat that makes the combat run more or less efficiently according to my my awareness and intelligence and my and my loadout, that's really satisfying. I don't think you're going to make like knights and captains and and thrall suddenly feel more menacing and more threatening. The game just is is limited in what it can do. Let posted an awesome graph of the Twitch and player increase during the event. Yeah, stuff like that is you know, it brings a lot of people. How would you like to do a pre-quest before the live event? Uh, like going to the Almighty to make Rasputin hits it. This is a woulda, shoulda, coulda, but I, I do want to say it felt like a missed opportunity since the uh, the Almighty exists in the game as a space that we go to for missions. They could have done every other week missions where we went there and like deployed scanning work and and tried to like weaken its weaken its structures. You know, you know, Rasputin says. I'm going to target these particular pieces of it and you need to go weaken those pieces with detonations. That could have been cool. Again, I'm not going to really like go nuts on Bungie for this because the season was so thin and disappointing as it is. You weren't going to save it with a couple of almighty missions, you know? Pure 36. Would you personally like to see live events lead to in-game content and does that make better storytelling on Bungie's end? Well, sure, like, this could have led to go to the EDZ and help clean up or something, but, or, you know, or maybe, you know, go and that's what we would use our Warmind bits for. We would go and, like, fund the relief effort for these robots that are going out and repairing and putting out fires, and that could have been something to do with our Warmind bits. Sometimes a live event's just a live event. It's literally a cutscene that we got to be a part of that happened at a particular time, you know? Blackbird plays. Now that Bungie has the tech to do these live events, do you think that we could see live events in places other than the tower? I mean, it could have been an experiment. Obviously, they weren't impacting the game anywhere else, so that's that's obviously a likely outcome of this event. Bungie is making it easier to go in blind to a season. Uh, if you didn't need to cover content, would you consider going in blind tomorrow? I think so, just because I know how I'm wired. During Vanilla Destiny 1, this was just the game that I played. I literally ran in circles in the Ember Caves. Um, I did the grinds. I did the weapon grinds. I went for the, all the stuff. And that was back when the game was extremely thin. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I would still be jumping in and playing. Um and, and, you know, especially because I've always been that way as a consumer. I'm like, yeah, I'll just buy Shadowkeep for the 60. Give me all of it. Like, I know I'm going to be playing. Let me just buy it, you know? So I would have already owned it. And, of course, I'm going to jump in day one. Lang Solo. Do you think that there should have been impacts to the EDZ as well? Would it improve the immersion? Another woulda, shoulda, coulda. I probably should have deleted some of these, but I didn't want to go too crazy. We did delete a lot of questions. Obviously, it'd be cool to go to the EDZ and see the evidence of this, but again, they're limited in what they could do, and they probably didn't want to bite off more than they could chew. It seemed like a pretty big endeavor. They were, you know, I think in the background, probably wringing their hands and kind of nervous, making sure that it all went off without a hitch. Chris. Are there numbers available to say how many people were logged in to witness the event? Does this improve? Does this prove it was a success or not? It was a good way to engage the Destiny community. I, like... I, I know for a fact, I know for a fact that whenever 
whenever they did it, there was like a surge of like 200 something thousand people on Steam. That's just Steam. And we're the smaller of the player bases, so I don't know what PlayStation and Xbox ended up hitting. Somebody said that Leopard had like a graph. I don't know where he got the graph though, because did he get that from Charlemagne or something? Um, so... I, I don't uh, I don't know. Now, is it a good way to engage the community? I mean, I think Fortnite has proven that this is a great way to get everybody really, really excited. You know, really, really pumped up. So... And... It, it it's it's perfect for destiny destiny was you know in in many respects the twitch streaming destiny community is unique there's not a lot of g- games like this that have this level of endurance this number of people tuning in and supporting streamers and subbing and doing awesome things for charity it is kind of a rarity when you go to diablo or the elder scrolls online or division or borderlands they don't have what we have here um this is this is a special special community and I think leveraging it for reveal streams or live events is a really smart play. Um it's truds. Likening these events to how often we get secret dungeon style missions, do these live events need to be sporadic to keep them unique? Yeah, I think there's a question later in Q&A that I remember reading it because we were going through our filtering process and someone was like, oh, do you think like Guardian Games and other events should end with a live event? Again, we don't need to end every season with this. Like every season that ends, we don't need to be like, well, here you go. You know, we <laughs> here's your here's your live event. Everybody go to the tower and stand around sing Kumbaya. Um, we don't we don't need to overdo it. You know, I think you're right. It being sporadic would help keep them more unique, more of a surprise. I could see it being more of an annual thing around summer because that's when everybody would be like, hey, you think we're going to get one of those live events? You know, we had it last year in the summer. I could see them doing that. Radical. What are your thoughts on the way Bungie's team responded to community feedback during and after the event? I just think you continue to see why Bungie got an award for community engagement and how they communicate with their community because they didn't get defensive. They didn't get like nasty. They were like, we are open to feedback. This was our first go. If you're remaining civil, we appreciate the feedback. Obviously, there's people that go full destiny Karen douchebag and just start yelling insults and being nasty. Well, those people get muted. And I think for good reason, nobody wants to hear from you if you don't have like the maturity of you know, if your maturity level isn't beyond my four-year-old, you know what I'm saying? When my son gets angry because he doesn't get the thing that he wants, he yells and screams and he gets, and he says, and he says like, stupid. He's like, don't be, you're being so stupid. It's like, and we don't like him saying that, right? Well, if, if you can't rise above my four-year-old's ability to provide feedback, then you're going to get muted. They don't want to listen to you. It's not helpful feedback. Okay. Criticism is an indication that people are unhappy. You don't need to shout and use insults to show that you're unhappy. The criticism already does that. They're not in the dark. They're not like, oh, are you unhappy? Of course. You're going to Twitter to say, I thought it was too long, man. I have places I've got to be. And that's all you got to say. You know, it's not that difficult to give feedback and not sound like a tantrum throwing child. It isn't that difficult. It really isn't. But the the you know the anonymity of the internet and people you know being frustrated and I think both world I think there's a there's a very very big convergence of world events right now right now that's making everybody really on edge you know and I said this the other day and I'm gonna say it in my video 
the more you go to Reddit and the forums to complain and, and write these big giant rant blog posts and these big giant complaint sessions, I, I, I hate to break it to you. You're, you're, you're part of the marketing plan. You are part of the marketing plan. Bungie has never silenced criticism or anger. Like the Destiny subreddit lets stuff go as long as it's not, you know, insulting or, you know, trending on like harassment or breach of terms of service. And well, the the Bungie forums are 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 an absolute trash can on fire. They don't even moderate those. But but in general, that you're helping the game. All, listen, there are SEO data crawlers that crawl over what's happening on the internet to see what's relevant and what's trending. And every time you went to Reddit to spew your rage and anger, you gave more information and more more like tectonic signals underneath the surface to say, Destiny's hot right now, right? Destiny is hot right now. You are a feather in their cap. The worst thing that happens is when the community go if a community goes silent and just stops playing. If you continue to play, you continue to tune in, and you continue to spew, like, furious rage on the forums and Reddit, congratulations, you're helping the game. Like, you're not hurting it, you're not hurting anybody's feelings, you know. That was one of the things I said, like, it amazed me, people were in my stream, you know, an hour and a half to two hours after the event, still dogging it and complaining and crying. And I'm like, you've just now spent more time complaining about it than the actual event lasted. Like, isn't that, is that irony lost on you? You're spending more time complaining than the actual event transpired. Like, you're you're wasting more of your time now. You are hooked. You are addicted. You are in. You can't get enough, and yet you get angry every time it's disappointing. <laughs> you know? Fuck I with the next question. In terms of balancing, what could Bungie do to make scouts more prevalent in both PvP and PvE content? Uh, could newer perks help fill the gap? I genuinely, genuinely, I, I don't know what the answer is. Functionally, the only answer is to give scouts agility for close range combat, which is to allow you to change the fire rate or hip fire it and it shoots like an auto rifle. I, I don't know the answer here. Uh, eight months from Deckard, two months from Apollo Gaming, Palindrome was 16 months, and Captain Beert, uh, Berto with the brand new sub, enjoy the dope badge, emotes, and ad free viewing. I, it, functionally, we don't need to get into perk ideas or you know, how much should they buff the damage functionally scouts aren't agile enough for close range combat and there's too much close range combat in destiny 2 so functionally they would have to fix that i don't know how you do it i don't know how i don't know how you do that without being like oh you can hip fire and it shoots like an auto rifle or an smg or something that would fix the functional problem does that create a bigger problem does that invalidate smgs and auto rifles i have no idea i don't know um, they'd have to restructure all the combat, all the strikes, all the areas. It just, I don't, I don't see there being a lot of room. I don't see there being a lot of room for it. It's just, it's unfortunate, but I, I don't know if scouts are ever going to get pulled out of the gutter. Pulse up close do work. Yeah. Hip firing a pulse actually isn't that bad. And I think that's one of the problems with scout rifles is they don't, they don't have like a decent hip fire option. Pulses can actually be, you know, pretty solid up close. If you're, if you, if you resort to hip firing. Fearless leader. Do you think we are experiencing unavoidable growing pains for all the changes Bungie has to go through this past year? Or do you think Bungie dropped the ball on year three? 
I mean, it's so it's it's really hard to just not speculate here, but I'm just going to go back to it seems to me this year was a survival year where bandwidth may have gotten thinned out for this particular season and certain pursuits and ideas just didn't get any attention they didn't do anything for weapons to make them better they didn't do anything for aspirational content to make the loot better and they got by you know year four that's all supposed to change so i don't think they dropped the ball on year three i think year three has been more successful than failure i think Shadowkeep and dawn were fine I thought they were they were very very good pieces of content that kept things going. I think we're in the midst of a fumble and and they're they're just going to have to try to pick the ball back up. I had somebody on Reddit that like I guess they put up uh, Dado's, you know, review of Worthy and I guess he's really angry. And somebody in the comments was like, "Yeah, I'll watch Sano to Rage try to defend it and say it's actually, you know, better uh, than Curse of Osiris or something." And I was like, Actually, that's not the case. My video going live today says the exact opposite. I, I, I ripped this season to shreds, and I even said in question and answer, I said, if you could go back in time and give Curse of Osiris random rolls and non-double primary, Curse of Osiris would likely be then measured to be better than this season. This season benefits from quality of life changes that Osiris doesn't have access to because Osiris is stuck in time. Um, and so, it, But that's what people do. They're just like, oh this season's so bad and they start turning on content creators they start turning on each other and virtually all of my content this season has been negative but like that's what people do they're like oh yeah Sato to Rage is going to defend the season no matter what I'm like what? his video was not that negative but it was who hasn't ripped this season to shreds right like you don't get a lot of credit but like I do think that this season's really disappointing, but I don't think this season needs to overshadow year three. I don't think year three has been an absolute fumble and an absolute, you know, choke job. Fricado. This event was probably the biggest testament to the capabilities of the engine Bungie's working with. Um, do you agree that this was not only a test for future events, but also a test for how they could do working with a new engine? I think the new engine predictions are harder um are harder to get on board with i i i I don't like i don't like going that far down that line um because that's a big big prediction to make based off of an event do you know what i'm saying like that's a you're taking a big prediction new engine and you're basing it off of this event and like a tweet from lars bakken that they needed to make new tech i think sure it's a test for future events always anytime they do anything it's a test for something that they you know hey we may do that again we may do that activity type again we may do that weapon grind type again so um and like what Eugene is saying it went from one of its best states ever to one of its worst states it's ever been a lot of people really thought that Shadowkeep and Dawn was like a really good era for the game and this has been a really really bad season so I think year three is about to get, you know, jet fuel put in the tank and it's going to take back off again. Like it was like, woo, yeah. And then it's like, it's almost crashing and it's going to pull up and take off again. I think summer's about to be really, really good. Um, again, as I said a little bit ago, it's still going to struggle with the struggles of year three. It still will struggle with the struggles of year three. Too many bounties, too much FOMO, but I don't think you can get much worse than this season. This season's at the bottom of the ladder. Um, this 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 season's hurting. Uh, Largo, 
would giving two versions of the emblem, one for people who watched it versus those who came later, be appropriate? This has come up a lot, and I'm telling you, it isn't worth upsetting people with FOMO right now. FOMO stands for fear of missing out. It already, this is what I said this morning, the event is already laden with organic FOMO. You have to be there to see it, and if you didn't get to, you missed out. We don't need to, like, shove in more FOMO. Oh, and also, you get a different emblem, you know, peasants. I, I don't I don't think that that would be needed. There's already frustration about the structure. Like, let me walk you through the narrative that the community, you know, went through with the event, okay? The event is announced. Immediate anger and frustration about the fact that I might not be able to see it. It should just be a cutscene. This isn't fair. It should be accessible to everybody. That's the narrative when they announce it. Immediate narrative about people are going to miss out. Bungie does the event with lots of time padding to ensure a maximum number of people can be involved and everybody complains about how long it is. You have to understand if they would have added into it as well as like, yep, you don't even get the emblem to commemorate when it happened. Like you got to walk to the little damaged part, scan it and you get the emblem. It would have just added more frustration for people that didn't get to be a part. So the narrative is already all over the place. At first, people were concerned about narrative and missing out and not being able to see it. And then when it was long enough for more people to be involved and take part, everybody complains about that. I know there are people that fell off the back end of this. Like, well, I allotted time, but I didn't allot that much time. And then they missed out. I get that. I understand that. But the changes were not meant to be, be, be you know, harmful to the player base. It was meant to help the player base. Alexander Mee. A lot of the Bungie employees have spoken out about muting and blocking. After this event, what are your thoughts about this? I think people need to understand that the customer is not always right. Sometimes the customer is a freaking douchebag, right? The customer is not always right. When I worked at AT&T, I stood my ground when people came in and disrespected me. It's like, no, you're not always right. Sometimes you are an entitled, rude douchebag, and you need to be told that you're an entitled and rude douchebag. Like, you don't get to live in some delusional state of mind where, like, the customer's always right, and I can speak to you however I want. No, frick you. You can't talk to me like that. Get the frick out. Don't come back. I told people that. I was like, you are not welcome in the store if that's how you're going to act. You're going to get muted if you're talking like a Neanderthal. Like, that's how you lose your job? I was vested, homie. I was one of their best reps. My manager always had my back. You don't come in and cuss me out. No. My management always had my back. You don't get to come in and talk to people however the frick you want because you're in a bad mood. Screw you and the horse you rode in on. Seriously. The customer's not always right. Most often, the customer is an idiot that doesn't even know what they're talking about. Have you ever read reviews on Amazon? You know how many negative reviews are written by some brain-dead user error moron that's like, this product sucks! I was reading reviews for beard trimmers, and people were leaving reviews that were like, it's terrible for cutting long hair. I was like, what in the actual... One-star review because you bought a beard trimmer, and you were trying to cut your hair with it? You're an idiot. It's not the product's fault. You're dumb, right? So when people go to Twitter to be like, I'm upset about this video game, and you're going to be like, you're a bunch of blankety-blank-blanks, and I can't blanking believe how blanking stupid you all are why should they listen to you what are you saying that's worth anybody's time i said it yesterday i had some guy tell me he's like 
do you ever take a break from sucking up from Bungie? And I was like, have you ever said anything on Twitter that anybody cares about? Like, no one cares what you have to say if you're just a tantrum-throwing baby. You are, like, all you've got to do is say, I didn't like it, dot, 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 here is why. It's that simple. It's that simple. I didn't like it, dot, 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 here's why. Insulting is pointless, right? Insulting is pointless. All it shows is that you're immature and you can't handle disappointment. That's what my kids do. You're a four-year-old. You are a four-year-old throwing a tantrum on the internet. Get a freaking, like, have some self-awareness. Have some self-awareness. It's that simple. I applaud Bungie not putting up with that crap. Now, I think sometimes they've maybe overstepped, okay? Developers, number one, don't have to put up with your crap, okay? Lars Bakken or any of those guys, they don't have to put up with a single ounce of your crap. They're not community managers, okay? I do think, I do think that Dylan, Cosmo, and Deej need to have maybe slightly, I'm not saying they don't have thick skin. What I'm saying is there's a hierarchy here. Community managers have to have slightly thicker skin. They have to hack through the anger and the salt and the vitriol sometimes. As long as they're not being threatened with bodily harm or told that they should lose their jobs, like, it's probably okay to be like, okay, okay, this person's throwing a tantrum, but we don't need to like block and and mute this person. Community managers are sort of on the forefront. You're going to get the brunt of the fire. Okay. So I I do think though, in general, people have got to understand that you don't get to just say whatever the frick you want anymore. You're under this impression that like the internet's just your, your ocean to vomit in. And it's like, no, you're not allowed to do that. You can't just go nuts. There was a time where, um, there was a time where, who was it? It was Apex. An Apex developer, like, basically put people in their place on Reddit, and it was this insane blow-up. The, people couldn't believe that this Apex developer, like, spoke his mind. And I was like, sometimes people need to be told they're being jerks. Like, sometimes you need to be told you are being a douchebag. You, you don't just get to barge into conversations, forums, reddits, twitters, and just act like a, a, a complete jack wagon and be like, yeah, well, we just have to tolerate this person. No, sometimes you need to be told you're an idiot. Like, stop. You, there are better ways to feed, give feedback. Right? There's better ways to provide feedback. I don't think these guys are, are muting people that don't deserve it. They've been in the industry way too long. Way too long. I said the other day, It takes a certain level, I think, of patience to be a developer in 2020. It really, really does. It takes a certain level of patience because, like, you have to have the patience and, like, the smile-through-the-pain endurance of a preschool teacher because it's just like, stop doing that, please. Yeah. Can you stop doing that? Can you stop breaking the crayons, Jeffrey? Like, they have to have that level of endurance because they get absolutely dumped on over the littlest of things. If the servers go down for a little bit, if a, if a patch or an update's not very good, they get absolutely dumped on. I said the other day, I, well, I said during after the event, it's like, this was a labor of love according to Lars Bach, and this was something cool they wanted to do for the community. It wasn't something that they made money on. It, like, well, I mean, I guess it's free marketing, but they wanted to do this for the community. It was a labor of love. And I believe them when they say that. And, and like I said, like imagining, imagine like spending all that time working on it and getting, getting so excited about, Oh, this is going to be awesome. And boom, 
you get you you get told that oh it was too long. I I just can't believe how long I had to wait it. Yeah, like. Cosmo just tweeted for new designers and artists. The season leaked. Are you talking about the uh, season of Arrival? The pl- the PlayStation pages online. So we're having people from chat. Two different people from chat are saying the season name has leaked. The PlayStation pages online and season of Arrival is in fact the name of the new season. Um, Amadeus just put the link in chat. I'm gonna go ahead and click on it. Um, there it is. Would you look at that? Um, would you look at that? Let's snip and tweet that. That looks good. Oh, yeah. You're always creating content, chat. You're always creating content. You know that, right? Like, if you're a streamer, you're always, you always got to be creating content. Uh, well, season of arrival looks to be, uh official we might we might buffer a little bit when i do this it's a pretty small image there we go there you go season of arrivals arrivals plural it's season of arrivals maybe that's meant to be possessive season of arrivals uh you know what i mean mods if we could get the link for people uh, I tweeted it as well here I'll help you out you can you can uh, you can promote the tweet that'll help me here you go if you want to see the image there you go okay uh next question Quinn CTV um stranger arrives too I don't know man who is that person in the image? All right, hang on. Let's break it down. I have no idea who that is. I have no idea. Paul Tassie zoomed in on it and said squints. <laughs> okay. Some of the best events, in my opinion, have been Whisper Zero Hour, Shattered Throne. How would you like to see frequency of these events in the future? This is one of those what do you prefer questions like, do you want more of these, Lono? I tend to avoid these types of questions, but I let this one stay for one particular reason. I think... I think there's a real danger right now in demanding more of these style events because they're for one weapon, right? So I would, I would very, very much encourage people to maybe start to say, oh, these are unlikely to, to happen very often because that's there. It's a lot of development time. It's a lot of space. It's a lot of geographic capital in the game for a weapon. Um, so I'm not saying I don't want more. Trust me. If I could get a zero hour every season, frick yes, I would sign up for that. It's so fun, right? It's so fun. I'm trying to be realistic. I'm, I'm trying to be realistic. AMC, uh, with Drifter seemingly having a big part in the season or fall expansion, Gambit may take a step in the forefront. Right now, Gambit is sitting around 8% of the player base engaging. How would you change Gambit to raise that number? Number one, you need to funnel it into one player pool. Number two, get rid of the armor that gives you all those benefits. I, they, they've got, I think they've just got to get rid of it. They have to. Um, because it just causes... I just think it causes way, way too much unpredictable or landslide con- uh, you know, contest. I also think they need to completely reevaluate the role of invasion. 
Invasion needs to be completely reevaluated. I, I just and listen, here's the biggest dilemma with Gambit. You spend a bunch of time retooling it and you take two risks. You don't recaptivate any people who didn't like it in the first place and you frustrate the people that already like it, right? There's two groups of people. There's people that like Gambit and there's people that hate Gambit. There ain't a lot of in between, okay? There ain't a lot of in between, all right? So, uh, new, hang on, new season, the new, uh, season name was leaked by the PSN store, um, edit.com, it's gonna have to be an edit.com for new season, edit.com new season, there you go, and then I'm gonna go like this new season name so you run this huge risk with gambit okay you run this this enormous risk with gambit you're going to either completely frustrate the people that do like it if you change it too much if you completely reevaluate and change the 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 structure of invasion also, you may completely and utterly fail to capture the people that don't like it, right? I'm an in-between. I don't care either way. Well, okay, even if there are in-betweens, if you don't care either way, you're probably not playing it that often. So you're either playing it regularly or you're not playing it. Like, those are kind of the two camps. And the risk you run when you do that, like, oh, we're going to reevaluate Gambit. We're going to try and get Gambit refueled. We're going to completely change stuff. You upset the people that like it and play it regularly, and then the people that have been avoiding it are like, eh, it feels the same, and they don't give it a chance. It's a, it's a big, big gamble because Gambit's just not very popular, right? It's not very popular in the player pool and you run a, a gigantic risk if you if you do anything with it because there's an established player pool that likes it and then there's lots of other folks that don't. And I think that's the I think that's the big big challenge. Hot cup of nasty. Did the complaints about this long event add to an already frustrating season and push casuals away or the opposite? I don't think stuff like this really affects the casuals. I would wager to say a lot of casuals stood around the tower and were like, I don't understand what's going on. And if they either got angry or stuck around, I don't think either of those results in somebody being pushed away. Uh, Enzian. How will the fourth horseman and the catalyst be obtained now the season is over? I don't know. They've not said. When Will it be like the Thunderlord drop? Yeah, they've not said. Maybe that's probably how they'll do it. New Fairy. It seems the main story beats for this season was the original entry cutscene and the live event. I would like the live events to stick around, but what are your thoughts on how to improve the season drivers um, oh, mid-season drivers? This is a good question. And I'm going to give you the answer I've given a lot of other people. They could have just done one or two missions in the middle of the season where we go to the Almighty. I think that would have been good enough to keep it on our radar and be like, oh, stuff's happening, stuff's going on. Boom. And then there you go. That would have been fine. This is a woulda, shoulda, coulda, but I understand people kind of felt like the story kicked off and then nothing really happened, and then we all started focusing on the pyramid ships. I I think that's totally fine from from a structural standpoint, but from like an engagement standpoint, it probably would have been more engaging, you know, throughout to be like, no, we're we're gonna we're gonna do you know a couple of things throughout the season instead of literally nothing. So they did really good story beats. We were going down to the bunkers and then nothing happened for a couple of months other than the pyramid ships getting closer. I thought that was dope, but I think there could have been more done with the almighty eternal Phoenix based on your speculated timeline of D two into D three. 
2023. When should storylines begin to wrap up, if at all? Not specific characters necessarily, but enemy factions. There's no hard line here. Uh, this is another question I let stand that's sort of the ones I don't take, right? Like, it's like, what do you think should happen? But my answer to you is, there's no need to wrap anything up. They don't have to do anything with with uh, with Savathun. They could literally save Savathun and the Dreadnought until the next game if they wanted to. Why do they have to wrap it up? There is no impetus to wrap any storylines up. They could be like, no, no, yeah, she's just, she's she's hanging out in the distance, you know? She's not coming anytime soon. You know? McCobrit. How would you say the Almighty storyline is over now, or do you think that there could be some outcomes from the crash? Uh, this is a, do you think they're going to do something with it? I, I, I have no idea. Uh, Govington. Do you think that the live event happening and the next season being the last before the DLC, do you think this could be a push from Bungie to say, look what we can do on an old engine, wait until you see the new one? I know people are really, really excited about the, you know, the, the potential of, of there being like a new engine, right? I, I know people are, are excited about that, but I really, really think that we're, we're stretching, right? We're really, really stretching to be like, oh man, this means there's a new engine, I could see this being the narrative, but I could also see it being like completely unrelated. Even if we get a new engine, it doesn't necessarily mean that's what they were doing right now. Like, look at what we can do with the old engine, you know? Epic, oh, I'm sorry, EMP Tuggles with six months, 25 months from Dave, and then Mr. Fishin with 11 months. Thank you. Morris with the next question. Um, end of day Wednesday. Uh, oh, tracking on the other stuff. End of day Wednesday. Um, okay. How late can they start in the day? Sorry, the the sound dampening guys are getting in touch with me finally. Um, uh, with Bungie's focus on moving away from cookie cutter god rolls in year four is a focus on archetype change or buffs more important than retooling or creating new perks to achieve that goal to me they're both important i think they're both important you can't just ignore you can't just ignore archetypes that suck but you also can't be like oh we we don't need new new perks and stuff um he'll want an entire day okay uh can he do it on a set son I'm taking a whole day off for him to put up freaking sound dampening um uh so yeah I think both need to happen I think both need to happen K Murda uh people are speculating that they might delete Titan do you think that they will also delete an enemy race and work make room for a new one um yeah I don't think so I, I like the more we've looked at it, the more I don't think they're just gonna delete Titan. I think they could re they could redo it. They could, uh, you know, they could they could terraform it. All these things they could do. I, I don't think they're just gonna delete Titan. Um, here's the HD version of oh of the image. So the HD version looks like I don't even know. That's somebody being picked up, and there's a bunch of hive in the background. There's hive symbols in the background um, here. Uh, there's hive symbols in the background. 
and yeah, I, I'm gonna pull that up on I'm gonna pull that up on stream. Um, give me one second so you guys can see it. Uh, let's do this. It looks like it's gonna have some hive, you know, bent uh, surrounding it. There we go, and now you guys can see it nice and big, perfect. Um, it's hard to even know what the frick that thing is in the middle. Uh, really, really hard. Um, so, is there a weekday where he can get started at noon? Um, this week is terrible for me to take days off. I have to get back to you. I'm probably going to self-install this stuff. I'm not taking a whole freaking day off for somebody to come do it. Um, at Woos, this may be a yes or no, but do you have any thoughts on the potential of doing events to wrap up different celebratory season events? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of the ones. This is one of the ones that got like, um, you know, I, I saw it before we got here. I don't necessarily think that that we we need to do this every time. I answered somebody's question about this earlier. Like we don't need to be like, oh man, every single every single event needs to end. Uh, every single event needs to end with, you know, uh, a a, an, a like a a live game event or something. That's just too much. Like they can't do that every time. It's not conceivable. Also, as somebody said earlier. Um, I, it would start to lose its unique and its flair if it's literally happening like at the end of every season we all go to the tower and stand around for something to happen how do you feel about the live event that involves making a choice you either choose to be on the moon to see something or something else I'm not against this I just think there's we have to be related to kind of the last question we got to be a little reasonable with you know what they could do what's possible um those are those are things that I think are going to affect being on every planet or any planet. You know what I mean? Could I tweet a link to the pick? I don't have a link to the pick, but if you use the command new season, it'll take you to my tweet, and then that's the pick. Um, M306 Gunslinger. Do you think weapons should have their own mods uh, so we don't need to keep the same weapons with different roles? Um, I I don't know. At, at a certain at a certain level, the Mods being specific to weapons might be a good way for more, you know, investment into certain, you know, ways of playing the game. Uh, Because right now it can feel very much like it can feel very much like um, you're you're always kind of chasing the same role and you're always kind of chasing the same thing. And then the mods could be a way of like really, you know, creating some differences. So if weapons had their own mods, uh, so we didn't have to keep the same weapons with different role uh, with different roles. That would create too much crafting if you're not careful, though, right? You got to be very, very careful. So, people saying this is fake. It's in the PlayStation Store, and it's plural. Season of Arrivals. This confirms that it's plural. Season of Arrivals. Um, so, you think that's an emote? I don't think that's an emote. That's a person. Um, that's something happening. I mean, that's like the th- that's like a thematic icon. Um. It's an emote. The bu- oh, the bundle comes with that emote. Oh, 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 oh. It's an emote. Well, I mean, the seasonal stuff in the background is clearly Hive, and they're using green. So the that to me would feel like you know they're you know it's kind of related. 
Um, yeah, this is not fake. It's right from the store. I went to PlayStation site and saw it. My tweet is a screenshot of the PlayStation store. It's an emote of somebody getting abducted by aliens. Oh, man. Here comes the theories. Upcasting, uh, upcast glint. Do you think pulse or slug shotguns need new buffs coming next season? I don't get into these types of discussions. There are lots of archetypes that need tons of help. Um, they, they're just, they're just not where they need to be. You think destiny will reach a level of video game McDonald's like Fortnite has become. Well, I mean, this is a bit of an, I don't think every, I don't think a lot of games can hit that. I really don't. I think it's really, really hard to hit that level and very few games do. I think destiny is becoming a household name. It's just, it's been around for too long. Bungie's known for halo. So they're a bit of a household name as well. Um, I would say more and more it's you're, you're never going to have an exact, um, you know, quantifiable way to say how big is this game? How good is this game? Um, you know, how popular is this game? But when a game has been out for half of a decade and it captures close to a million players a day, I, I would say that that's, that's pretty, it's pretty, that's pretty strong, pretty strong game. Um, McDonald, you know, a video game McDonald's the way that Fortnite, you know, you're describing it. I don't know. I don't know if that's you could ever attribute that to anything other than Fortnite. It's hard to get to that level. <laughs> that level is almost anomalous in and of itself. You know, global popularity. Destiny has global popularity, but not like Fortnite. Since the Almighty is blown up, can you still do missions that involve it? Probably. They don't really do that. I mean, Cade's dead, but you can run missions and Cade's there. Uh, F1 Gatecrasher. With Bungie saying there is uh, one only one new armor piece. What? There will be one new armor piece each season. I don't think they mean the new armor set. Do you think these new pieces of armor will benefit from having certain intrinsic perks? So these are the exact type of questions I asked not to be submitted. You got in after the filtering process. You're basically saying, do you think Bungie's going to do this very specific thing in the future? There is literally no way I can answer your question. I have to keep kind of like correcting people um, to show that like this is not this is not a question that I have an answer to it's too specific there's no way for me to know if that's their plan with armor all they said was every season a new aspirational armor pursuit that's all we know I have speculated that lands in Grandmaster Nightfall but I'm not going to go beyond that and be like oh there'll be intrinsic perks and there'll be this there'll be that I just don't know I don't know if there's room in the game for that because that'd be a lot of armor sets you'd have to own to be like you know decked out for all different activities I think mods are a better course for that 22 months from truth will set you free three months from you just got jammed and javelis with a uh, with a prime sub thank you enjoy the dope badge emotes and ad free viewing if you guys are new if you're new and you're enjoying the show this is what we do Monday through Friday a lot of talks a lot of back and forth it's family friendly highly interactive it's like a podcast you can keep on in the background remember that the easiest way to support me is to click the follow button you click follow and turn on notifications that way you don't miss these streams thank you for everybody doing that if you are sick of seeing ads you can bypass ads by subbing to the channel and uh, it lets you you know, get right around them so you don't have to worry about seeing those. If you're here a lot, you leave, refresh, come back, or start here every morning, um, you are uh, you are definitely going to maybe potentially want to bypass those ads. Thank you for gifting a sub to Brutal Urkin. Um, check the tweet DLC info. Yeah, I just saw that. I just saw that stealth. So apparently... Um, for September, 105 gig hard drive storage space required, subject to change. Launch date, September 22nd. Looks like that might be, uh, the, 
the uh, the launch date. Uh, Tassie says it's not fake. Uh, I do think that's a generic guardian and it's an emote. Yeah. So 105 gigs and a September 22nd release date for September is looking like that's been kind of maybe potentially deduced from other files and things that people are looking at. So that's a big, that's a big DLC. Uh, I don't know how they're going to get that in the, how are they going to get that much in the game? Isn't the game already that big? Are you sure? Doesn't it just say that when that's how much space you need for the full game? I don't know. I'll wait and see. That sounds like that could be one of those times where they're literally describing how much space you need for the entire game. Uh, What was the source for that one? Stealth Gaming linked to a tweet that linked to Bungie.net Destiny platform storage requirements. Um, But again, that could be like literally the entire game. Uh, I'm not seeing it saying that. I'm not seeing anything for September. Where are you seeing that? It says here, Shadowkeep storage requirements was 97. I don't see where you're seeing 105. 105 gig requires for current... Yeah, the link in that tweet doesn't say that. So maybe they're data mining the background. Um... I think that's just a total. I I think people are jumping to conclusions we shouldn't jump to yet. Um, Do you think live events are truly worth the resources? They said that they had to create stuff that wasn't in the game to allow for live events. Uh, I think that, yeah, it's it's worth it. Oh, it's the description underneath the Season of Arrival bundle. It says in-game purchases optional. 105 gig minimum save size. That's for the whole game. They're making sure you can install the whole dadgum game. People need to relax. Um, I thought that sounded like the whole game. Like, how are they, as I said, I was like, how are they even going to put 105 gig in the game? Um, so I think they are worth the resources. They were like one of the number one trending topics and games for that entire day. Like that's, that's worth its weight in what they spent to make that event happen. Kotox, do you believe that we should get a replacement Hunter Vanguard? I don't have a strong opinion on that. The Cabal on Mars. How could Bungie build off of the live event, make more space affected by the live event explorable? We've already had a ton of questions on ways to improve or change, so I'm skipping not because it's a bad question, but it's a repeat. Big Huge, do you? how do you feel about the idea of destroying the Almighty was symbolic as closing out the era of destiny ruled under activision it was the center of the vanilla campaign and the parallels between d1 trailer and the new teasers support this i'm gonna just sort of smile and say i like it but i don't know if they would go to that level to be like let's really send home the message but i like it i like being like no you know what we're done with the activision era we're blowing up the vanilla threat and we're moving on to new horizons we're going to new places this game is changing and yeah i like this um it being symbolic if it's not bungie's intention then it's like poetry you can take it to be you know symbolic for yourself green is the new emblem that's literally toxic yeah i mean this could be a clue of like a you know a a decay subclass but again i don't want to read too far into it there's hive writing in the background and green is synonymous with hive 
DJ Brian. When it comes to community events in Destiny, the community seems to be having mixed reviews about certain things. Bastion, Niobe Labs. Would you consider Saturday as a victory as far as community event? Yeah, I said earlier, if the biggest complaint is it took too long, that's a success in my book. You can pop the champagne. Like, what's the overwhelming consensus? I just took too long. People got really impatient. Ho ho! Pop the champagne! We did it! We had a good event! Like... You know, Niobe Labs was a bumble. They jacked it up. We couldn't get in. Uh, The Corridors of Time was for a gun that we already knew was coming, right? Like, I would say... I would say that the way that this one landed out of all of them, it worked. It wasn't bugged. And the worst complaint you got is it took too long. That's a win. That's a champagne pop celebration. We did it, guys. High fives all around. Everybody did good work. We can go home happy and proud and make adjustments for next time. Like, that's a victory, you know? JD Gamer. Lono, would an exotic quest or something like that would have made the event better? This is just very generic yes or no. I'm not answering. Faded Titan. Do you believe that Bungie should have had a timer on Rasputin on Mars or some form of earlier communication for players to get a better for the event? Anything that could have set better expectations would have been good. I don't want to completely destroy the mystery though of like, go to the tower, ooh, something's going to happen. You know, I don't need Zavala standing there with a stopwatch being like, 37 minutes remain guardian like I you know I don't need that I don't need the mystery to be completely shattered and destroyed um I I definitely think there's room for there's room for mystery but something to set expectations could have helped you know hey it's our first go be in the tower at this time anticipate you know events taking about an hour and a half or something you know, I know that might really damper it and make it seem more clinical and not as cool, but it would have been maybe a little bit better. You know, they know in the future now to say, hey, whenever we announce it, we got to package this with a, you know, here's how much time you should allot, you know. If you're just tuning in, thank you so much for being here. This was taken right from the uh, PlayStation Store, confirming next season is Season of Arrivals. Uh, You can use the new season command if you want to give my tweet some love. We kind of broke this. Uh, Somebody came in chat and gave me a link. Thank you for doing that. We kind of broke this story a little bit. Other people were, I think, were tweeting it as well. Um, If you're enjoying the time and the conversation, the Q&A, and the family-friendly interactive podcast vibe, remember to click the follow button. Uh, That does help me out. One player... Hang on. Yeah, one player, Pete. Much like the mystique of the Whisper in the Zero Hour Quest, do you believe the event would have been received better by the community if Bungie hadn't said anything? Well, no, because you would have had no reason to stay. You'd have been like, yeah, I stood there and stared at the thing for 20 minutes. Nothing's happening, right? You needed to give people the reason to stick around and stay and let us know something's going on. Um, I like the idea of not saying anything, but at the same time, that wouldn't have worked either because people were like, well, I missed it. I stood there and stared at it for 20 minutes and nothing happened. You know? Uh, Crimsy. Do you think that Bungie should do stealth events in social spaces now? Example, maybe Aldrin just starts wandering around the farm one day. I, you know, this is one of those times where, like, you know, they do something cool and then people want to, like, put it everywhere. This happens in Twitch streams, right? Like, Lono makes a joke and they're like, oh, we need a potato chip emote, Lono. We need a potato chip emote. I'm like, I, I just made a joke about a potato chip. We don't need to make an emote for that. I think sometimes in games, too, we do the same thing. We're like, that was really cool. Do it all the time. Do it everywhere. Make Aldrin walk around. Uh, make Zavala scratch his balls. Like, we don't need to always have something like that in the game happening. So we're like, ooh, something might happen. Um, you know, 
we got to uh we got to take it easy this happened with me by the way i'm guilty as well i did this with ada's bounties i wanted to put ada bounties everywhere and when i got it i realized like we need this but in a different way we can't have it be like this all the time um i knew chat would like me sneaking that one in uh, i can't believe we have over 4000 viewers again for q a this is incredible thank you for being here um so you know Stealth events are cool too, but I really just think like make it something more monumental and impactful. Do it sporadically and spread out so it's more unique and exciting. I don't need to tune into the game every day and be like, okay, what kind of you know Easter egg is there going to be today? Kaj Gaming. Uh, do you think if people knew that the season was so closely tied to the fall, that's why they've been silent on it? Oh, do you think it's possible? Oh yeah, we've been saying that for months. Uh, that summer and season are tied. Summer and September are tied together. So much of the lore in this game has been read and then put together. Could they give us a cutscene of the game to give us more story? Maybe on Facebook page. This isn't really a question. This is just you suggesting something. I think for a long time people have suggested allowing the lore to be listened to. Audio files like that tend to take up a ton of space, so it probably won't happen. It would be cool, but I just don't think it will. Um. Hmm. Is somebody putting... Oh, they don't have a... Uh, they don't have a... I saw the Season of Arrivals uh, page for Season of the Worthy, and I was like, oh my gosh, is there a splash page? Um, <laughs> uh, Liquid Smoke with five months, 39 months from Anakin Starkiller. Thank you. And Kaj Gaming gifted a sub to Brutal Urkin. I think I thanked you for that one. Do you think a live event would be better if it was timed during or included the Felwinter quest? Like having the event happen after the public event part of the quest? Uh where we armed Rasputin. This is another woulda, shoulda, coulda. I'm just going to skip those. There's too many people saying, should we have done this? Would it have been cooler if they did this? Those aren't really good questions for Q&A. It just ends up being too much woulda, shoulda, coulda. And we're not talking about anything of substance. We're just talking about what they could have or may have done instead. Um, if we had this event technology in the past, what events would you have liked to have seen uh, into a live event? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of significant moments in the game, you know, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, the the thing with the dreadnought, and I, like, I probably had one of the earliest ideas of a live event in Destiny at the end of Destiny 1, and we had seen the trailers that it was, like, raining right before Destiny 2, and we got attacked. I was like, the last week of Destiny, they should have made it rain in the tower, you know, and people were like, oh, that had been so cool. And, you know, Deej got mad at me and like DM me. He's like, do you want me to put a hold on all the, all the things we're working on for the next game so we can make it rain in the tower? And he was kidding. He wasn't like seriously angry, but it was like they were spinning a thousand plates at that point. But like that was before Destiny 2. And I was like, that'd have been cool. That'd have been pretty immersive handoff to have it raining in the tower at the end. Yeah. Cade's burial, something like that. Um, a bunch of subs have come in. Novial with a brand new Prime sub. NS Mizu with a brand new Prime sub. Four months from Glow. Two months from Sai Sai, uh, the size of Siamine. Who's Revel with eight? Three months from D4 Nikon and Tornado with two months. If you're a new sub, enjoy the dope badge and emotes and ad-free viewing. Keen Alarm. Do you believe that we will get uh, the last teaser today? Yes, we've been speculating that. 
uh, Clay Tonks. Thoughts based on Datto's recent season review. Do you believe that the reveal being on the same day as the season launch is due to Bungie possibly realizing that the new season will be light on content? I got a question like this earlier. I don't think so. I think it's because they're linked together and the summer will be dope. Jay Stubbles with 200 bits and two months from April rain. And Ajax with a brand new Prime sub. I don't see them saying it'll be like no other time in Destiny and doing this reveal and it being like a flop. I really don't see them doing that. Consistently, the time that Drifter and this season and, and and Osiris and all those landed, it's just never been a strong time for them. Summers have always been stronger for them pretty consistently. So, And then September's even better. Uh, 10 months from Animus Control. Thank you. Uh, Darksider. With you mentioning it's okay that the emblem is not exclusive, then what's the point of a live event besides seeing the VOD earlier? The point of a live event is to be there, you know? You stick in the mud, like, that's what it's for, is to go be there and see it. That's the whole point. There's not there's not a requirement, by the way, when you do a live event that you get, like, a participation trophy. We got to see it. It was cool. We've never done something like that before. Like, you don't need... It's like the first time you ride a roller coaster. You don't need to buy the picture when you leave. You can just be like, that was awesome, and you tell all your friends about it. Like, you don't need to, to, to get a participation trophy for being there. Um, uh, Notorious Dad with 200 bits and two months from Nurgle. Thank you. Any reveal would have spoiled the event. Yeah, that was the other thing is more than likely their reveal trailers and everything about the next season in September will likely be related to the fact that the Almighty is destroyed and now we're working with Rasputin and they couldn't help with that. They couldn't let that out. Phoenix. Uh, don't you think it would be better if Destiny would let us use our ships for something? I'm just going to skip. This is a, wouldn't it be better if they did this thing that they're never going to do. Lono on Saturday, Lars Bakken tweeted about how happy they were with the new technology uh, of the engine that they used. He didn't use those words uh, to create the events. Do you believe that they will create a new game engine? He didn't use those words. You're creating something that was not said. He said new tech needed to be developed. He made no mention of an engine, at least not that I saw. If he didn't reply, I didn't see it. The tweet you're referencing did not have any mention of an engine. I don't think we need to look into this as like a oop they made a new engine I think we need to be very very careful about setting that expectation I don't think porting this game to a new engine is likely I think it's one of the least likely outcomes of all the things we're we're predicting Juan Antonio says recently on the TWA Bungie talked about a 10 year plan Uh, do you believe Bungie will still receive significant content beyond 2024 sorry if this is off topic I don't really want to talk about this but I do do know Pete Parsons said by 2025 they will have massively evolved Destiny and have another franchise they'll they'll be a multi-title franchise they'll have another title launch by 2025 I think in order for him to say that in 2025 Destiny is still going right destiny is still going in 2025 if pete parsons plan comes to fruition and i think we're seeing the building blocks of that now five six seven more years of destiny is easy if they can pull off some of these changes the real question is going to be the scalability of the engine and the tech maybe the new engines i'm sorry maybe the new consoles give their engine more flexibility or something i don't know so um no it's a fine question juan tonio it's totally fine it's totally fine I'm going to cut it there uh, because we're getting into question slam time where people are going to slam. Uh, I will take Kelly's question because I know I can rely on it to be probably a pretty good one. Kelly says, why do you think so many gamers seem to think that games should give them some personalized experience? It seems to be what's driving these Karens. Well, I think in general, Destiny has always been a game where you put in and you get out and you customize your character. And I think that really drives some of the affinity. I don't think it's wrong to be like, oh, 
we're I'm gonna I'm gonna get something for my time. I think that's the natural value exchange in an RPG. You get something for your time. So it's understandable that those expectations start to just get laid. If I play, I get something. If I put in time, I get something, right? And yes, Lars, this photo is real. It's in the PlayStation Store right now on the website. Um so I, I get that it starts to feel like people are being super duper entitled and it gets really old and we call them Destiny Karens and I'm going to continue to do that because I, I, I think there are people that have ascended to the height of just the, the, the angry cross-armed rude customer and we need to continue to tell those people that like you're, you're souring discussion, critique and feedback to the point that you come after people like me and insult me and misrepresent me and my brand simply because you don't always agree with my takes. I have been highly critical this entire season. I have outlined numerous ways they could have made the content, the tower events, the, the, the Guardian games. I outlined nothing but ways to make stuff better. Trials, all of it. I have been absolutely gloves off, bare knuckle boxing, no pulled punches about anti-cheat and trials. So rather than take like shots at me like I'm the enemy because I don't match your level of vitriol or rage, maybe focus on the fact that like we're all wanting the game to improve and we're all focusing on the same thing and quit being a freaking Karen like I, I I think that's one of the best ways we've, we've been able to kind of put these people into a category because I think they deserve to be put into that category they disrupt dialogue they sh- they choke they choke conversation they're too extreme they're too hyperbolic you can't have a conversation with these people they're always upset they're always angry the game's never in a good state and it's like then why are you paying attention to it you know so I'm going to end Q&A, but I'm not done. I have my outline. So if you want to know my thoughts on the event, my review hasn't actually happened yet. I'm going to read through my review and thoughts. I'm going to address some of the criticisms of the event. If you're here and enjoying yourself, please stick around and click follow if you haven't. Following me here on Twitch and on Twitter is a huge way to support me and help me out. As always, if you're listening in the other locations, you can always catch me live at sayno2rage.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe.